Good evening, everybody. The 13th of June. Yes, we are back with Q&A. And if you keep seeing that the setting keeps changing, right? God keeps on adding. This wasn't there last week, right? No. The chairs, this was there. The chairs were there last week. That was a new addition. Now we have these lights behind us. So all those who are watching, we have been officially been sanctified. <laughs> this is Saint Vijay and this is Saint James. You see the halo behind our head. We've been canonized. Just joking, okay? So relax. We'll start with the relaxing questions first. I don't know how relaxing the answers will be. Oh, because uh, the question, sometimes it's better not to ask questions. Oh because you will not be happy with the answers. But we shall go to the Q&A. We just love you. And all those who are outside of India, please pray for us. The COVID cases are shooting up. We may reach the top of the charts of nations, not only in population, but also COVID-19, the way we are going. So please pray for us. A lot of people sick, a lot of dead bodies literally piled up in hospitals and above. Worst part, a lot of medical staff, doctors and uh, nurses ill and lot of god's servants god's servants lot of them i got a whole list of god's servants pastors missionaries who are in the icu their families in the icu today so please uphold india and the church in india in your prayers lord have mercy on us <clears throat> yes pastor vijay before we get into the q a can we just pray and you lead us in prayer Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Once again, we want to just worship you. We want to thank you for your goodness and for your kindness, Lord. Even, Father, in all these days that you've been with us, Lord. Father, if you've enjoyed your protection, Lord, we've enjoyed your presence and your provision in our lives. Father, we also want to especially pray this time for all those people in India, especially, Father, those who are suffering, Lord, who are in the front line of the battle. Father, the nurses and the hospital staff, I pray, Lord, that you would touch, Lord. Lord, have mercy upon us, O Lord, as a as a nation, O Lord. Father, we also want to surrender this time into your hands, O Lord, even as we, Father, uh, go through this Q&A session. I pray, Father, that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, it's not our opinion that matters, O Lord. Whatever be our opinion, I pray, Lord, Father, let let your word prevail, O Lord, that we would learn to exalt your word above every thought, every idea, and we will surrender ourselves, O Lord, to the revealed will of God in our lives through your, through your word, O Lord. And therefore, O Lord, even as we, Father, go through this session, I pray that you would be with us, anoint us, touch all of us, those who are hearing, those who are tuned in online. Father, enable us to have a blessed time in your presence. Be with us and guide us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall start with... Yes, so we have some very interesting questions, um, of course, related to food um, and all for all... I need to take a drink. <laughs> food question. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the first question is, why can't we eat shrimp and crabs? I love crabs. That is my question. Okay. And um, related to this is uh, also... Another question related to food. Are we not allowed to eat pork? Or we, or we should not eat in front of people who don't eat, that they may stumble. But if everybody eats pork at home and we are a family, what is, what is wrong? In India, you cannot eat 
beef are here, but <laughs> etc. <laughs> Don't you still eat? It's okay. Good. Yes. So these are all questions coming from abroad. And it's a very important question. Sensitive to the stomach, not so much to the heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but every question demands an answer. Let's look to the word, what to say, because this is important. I mean, these are not things that will keep you out of heaven, but these things demand an answer. <clears throat> you see, uh, can I have scripture? First, let us go to the scripture in the new covenant, which is used by pastors who say you can eat anything. One is First Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. Got it? Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. So this is one. It is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So keep that in your mind. This is one of the main scriptures that is used to sanction eating of all meats. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 is another scripture that is used. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Okay? So these two are very important scriptures in the new covenant, which is. But the question is, we go back and see, when it, remember the context in which um, it uses First Timothy as the doctrine of demons, chapter 4, verse 1. You have to look at the context in it is being talked about. Okay, where we come to food, but verse 1 says, this is all, that latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So what was enumerated behind that, after that, is put across as the doctrine of the demon or something that originated with demons. So the question is, the division of food has clean and unclean. Did it originate with demons or with God? With God. It's with God. So it's not talking about, definitely not talking about something that very clearly originated with God. Okay, so I'm not giving you a specific answer about crabs and shrimp and... Uh, no, stuff like that. But I'm just talking to you generally. Let's turn to Leviticus. By the way, Leviticus chapter 11 is uh, where uh, you have the entire division there about clean and unclean animals given under the law. And if you go to verse 42 and 43, you see 11, 42 and 43, Leviticus, when the law is given to them. Not build your church, Lord, but uh, whatever, okay, whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on, on it's just a whole list and ending up like this. Whatever has many feet among all creeping things, you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. And 43, shall not make yourself abominable by anything, nor shall you make yourself unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. So the reason is given over there. 
he says, God says through Moses, if you partake, if you eat of these animals, you have to look at it. You make yourself unclean with them and you will be defiled by them. Okay, defiled by them. So the reason is giving why God has so, because we're not getting into the nitty gritties of it because we can do a personal study of its own in chapter 11 of Leviticus and Deuteronomy chapter 14 from 3 to 20. Again, the entire thing is given. But I want to look at two verses, Deuteronomy 14 verse 2 and verse 21. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Okay? You look at the context God is saying. God is saying, this is who I am, this is who you are. Therefore, you should not eat these things. You have to look at context. Otherwise, we will only look at the animal. We are not looking at the context. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And a lot of things which God tells us, is, He says, this is who I am, this is who you, I want you to be because you belong to me. I have chosen you. To be a people for himself. Okay. Then verse 21. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who is within your gate. That he may eat it. Or you may sell it to a foreigner. Meaning God says. They have no issues with eating these things. You may give it to them. But you are my people. There is a distinction. Even in the food that you. Distinguishes you between the believer and the unbeliever. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Okay, they're holy people. So he says, everything in life, there will be a distinction between you and them, the believing and the unbelieving. Okay, so in the new covenant, also the division is still the same. It is not Jew and Gentile, it is the believing and the unbelieving. So we are not partaking of Jewish traditions or Jewish practices. We are partaking of what God has said. And God has his own reasons. And you know, scientifically speaking, medically speaking, everything that is said, not eat. If we don't eat, we are healthier and safer. Even COVID-19 wouldn't have affected us. Okay, COVID-19, much of the sick, like a lot of people are coming through, coming through COVID-19 without any issues at all. Also, you will realize it has got to do with their health. They're very healthy. And health is also connected primarily with what you eat. Okay, so, and then, <clears throat> if you look, for me, this is the reason, for me, why I don't eat certain things is because God has said it and God has his own reasons why he said it. And I know it is safer not to eat it. Second thing is, remember Jesus talks about, if your son asks for a fish, will your fathers give him a scorpion? Scorpion or a snake? If you ask for an egg, will you give him a snake? No. So immediately he's even there distinguishing certain things he will give and he will not give. Okay? We don't eat scorpions. A lot of Chinese, a lot of people who eat scorpions, relish scorpions, a lot of people who eat snakes. But he says, you don't. Okay? That is there. Then if you come to Isaiah 66 and verses 15 to 17, this is when Jesus comes to judge. It's one of the most powerful scriptures which opened my eyes, okay? For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. And for by, by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the garden after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouth shall be consumed together, mm. says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is talking about the judgment at the end. And he brings food over there. He brings food over there. And he says, people who eat these things. So I'm not making any law for anybody. That's not my job. Okay, my job. I say, read scripture. And if you're comfortable with still eating certain things, then it's up to you between. Because the Bible says also in Romans 14 and verse 23. Yeah, 14, 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. So whatever is not from faith is sin. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So when I read those portions from Isaiah 66 and all, no, I couldn't eat uh, pork anymore. It's not that I didn't. I didn't know. I ate pork. And I relished pork. I loved bacon, salami, sausages, everything. Mm. I loved it all. Because you see, most of the things which God says, don't eat are, unst- are the tasty things. Mm. They are very tasty to the tongue. They're very tasty to the tongue, but they also seem to be unbelievably unhealthy. Yes. Then when you come to the new covenant, when the law is given, when the rules are given to the Gentiles, they don't seem to make any mention of it over there, what to eat. No, only thing that don't eat in anything that is strangled, Strangled. in which blood is there. But I'll tell you one reason, one real reason why it is good to avoid the things which God, because the whole purpose for Israel also was to show them what is clean and what is unclean. And the purpose of the priesthood was to teach what was unclean and unclean, and even the animals were divided into clean and unclean. And by the way, we're having a uh, pestilence, not pestilence, uh, the locusts are all over the world, and locusts is one insect God has allowed them to eat. One of the insects. And if you actually look at the locusts, their protein level is much higher than chicken or beef or anything. It's, and Israel, they are, they are growing locusts and they're making into locust bars, like chocolate bars and all that's high on protein. Very high on protein. So all these locusts that are coming, you no, know, I don't know how to preserve them and eat them. And Elijah, I mean, John was a fiery preacher. Much of it was from the locust. <laughs> okay, just kidding, okay? Mm. So there are certain things which you look off. All the insects, God says you can eat locusts. And today from scientific, this thing you realize, locusts are clean and they are very high in protein. Mm. So things which science discovers now, God knew thousands of years ago that it was good for them. And his own prophet who declares the coming of the Lord is the one who eats locusts. Dip, dip and honey. So we talk about dip, dip today. Mm-hmm. But that started then. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had locusts and honey and he dipped it and ate it. Maybe fried it. I don't know. Whatever. But the most strange words for me, not strange, concerning words for me about eating these things is found in Revelation 18 and verse 2, if I'm right. 18 and verse 2. This is the judgment over the world, Babylon. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the dwelling place of demons. A prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Strange that demonic, unclean, foul spirits, 
and unclean birds are put together. Mm. I believe, this is my person, it's presumption, okay? I'm not putting it across as doctrine. You also realize when Jesus went to that place, was it? Uh, Gadarene. Gadarene, so yes. some, yeah, where the, Gadarene. Where the swine. Yes. Yeah, when that man had a legion of uh, demons in them, okay? The uh, demons asked to go to the swine. They didn't ask to go to sheep or goats or cows or anything. They asked to go to the swine. And I believe when God signified certain animals as clean and unclean, I personally believe demons prefer to go into unclean animals. Unclean. They reside in unclean animals. That's also one of the reasons spiritually they become unclean. So you will hear this in Babylon at the fine thing. Babylon becomes a dwelling place of demons, unclean spirits, and unclean bird, it says. Okay, whatever spiritual. But it is there, right over there. So... One of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons I believe God is protecting us, protecting us, because ultimately these decisions are only made because of deep convictions that you want to grow in the Lord. You don't want anything in your body, your soul, or your spirit becoming a hindrance into a race for your crown. Mm. Okay, it's like you can pick a guy who loves, loves everything, but imagine he's fit. He has a fiddle, he's fast, and the coach picks him up and says, I'm putting you in the university basketball team. And if you do well, you can go into NBA or whatever. You're really, really talented. But he says, this is the condition. And look at what you eat. What you eat. I know you like it. But I'm telling you as a coach, if you keep eating these things, you hog ice cream, you hog all these things, you know, it is going to cut down on your stamina, it's going to cut down on a lot of things. And I'm telling you, you will not make it in this sport. Hmm. You know, when he looks at the price that is set for him, he's willing to give up it all. Yes. He's willing to give it up all. So, God sets a price before us. God says, do you know how people give up for a crown that is perishable on earth? He says, you are being offered a crown that is imperishable. That's the only way. We are not trying to be like sanctimonious or anything. You cannot. <coughs> you have to see what is at stake in eternity. It's not your salvation. God, it's not primarily your salvation. It's much more than that. It is your crown. You have to look at it and then only make the decision, Lord. You know? That is the conviction that causes you. Causes you. It's, it's, um, and at the end of the day, it, it's not worth it. If I have an iota of doubt, this is going to Cost me, like like you said, no. <clears throat> you may be the fastest athlete, but this little thing I drink every day, let's say Pepsi, I drink every day, is going to take fifty seconds of my speed. Of that will be the difference between the gold, the silver, and the bronze. And you know, suddenly the fellow will say, "I don't want Pepsi. I don't want Pepsi because I'm running for gold." And you know, races are decided by 0. 0.00 whatever seconds and all. So you have to look at it that way. Then the spiritual side is what I have given. So based on that, go before God and He convicts you. No, it's a personal conviction. These are personal things. It is written in the Word of God. And when Paul is, when God is showing, uh, Peter the vision, he was not talking, he was using that as, uh, Gentiles, the difference between the Gentiles. But that is not a sanction to eat all this. Okay, that wasn't what you're using. So, but if God was uh, using 
meat also has a symbol to differentiate between his people and those who are not his people. Then, uh, by the way, we eat beef in India because it is only banned in certain states and in those states we don't eat. But beef is a kosher food in the Bible. If beef was not kosher in the Bible, I still wouldn't eat it. I still wouldn't eat it. Okay, and for those of you, just as an as a, as a joke, okay, as a joke, <clears throat> when you fry your bacon and your ham and all the sizzling you get on the pan, are the demons escaping? <laughs> okay, okay, Pastor Vijay. I just, I just want to. I was looking at the, reading the Bible. Is one verse which I actually caught my attention when you're talking yeah. about God created a body and He knows best. It's uh, Psalm 119. Okay. Uh, you have to type it out pro- pro- completely. You know that, right? In your in your open Psalm, Psalm 119 completely type type karna chahiye aapko. Psalm 119 verse 73 in NLT. It's very interesting. Psalm 119 verse 73. So, because clean and unclean things are commands which are God, God has given. It says, you made me, you created me, now give me sense to follow your commands. <laughs> <Now> give <laughs> me sense. <laughs> because he is the, he is the he's, one who... He's, he's, he's the manufacturer. Fan right, manufacturer. No? He says, now, you all the me. stuff we have, we go through the manual. <laughs> yes. Manufacturer says, use it this way, don't use it another way. Yes, so says, okay? So, he is the manufacturer. I try to stick to his book as far as possible. We try to stick extreme cases where you end up with rats and you have to choose between death and a rat, you choose the rat. <laughs> Let the rat die. You live. Okay? So, I'm talking about how people have survived in extreme cases. We are not talking about, we are talking about general principles and no hard and fast rules, but Romans 14.23 says, don't eat if it condemns you. So, and also one of the things which I understood from my little understanding of science is when you talk about shrimps and uh, fish and all, I understand all these things with scales. They don't absorb so much of the filth and the pollution that is in the waters. Water is, yes. While those who don't have it seems to be absorbing it all. So God, who knew we would pollute his beautiful oceans and rivers, mm. protected us beforehand. Mm-hmm. Beforehand, because everything goes to the water, everything goes to the water, and water is one of the things which we need. And these things, that's where shrimp, crab, fish without scales, and all those things, no, which God said not to eat. So I stick to what He says. But I don't stop anybody from eating, not even in my home. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. Even in my home, my children love crab, and I know from one kilometer away when crab is being made at home. Hallelujah. <laughs> I will sit around and everybody eats. I choose not to eat. That's my freedom and I give people. That's I believe that's what grace is when Bible is not like uh, hard and fast. If you eat this, you will die. That's not what it says. I leave people the freedom to choose because you have to live by your convictions. And as you grow in the Lord and the word grows in you, you have more convictions which I believe aligns with what God wants for you. Yes, Pastor so Vijay. talking about jokes, we'll go to one li- one light questions. and then Okay, one going. more lighter question. So this is question number six. It says, is it wrong to crack jokes? Of course, not jo- dirty, do- dirty jokes, but jokes in general. Ask my young people <laughs> over here. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they say I can crack jokes in four languages. Hallelujah. Okay. So, no, we all crack jokes and I'm sure Jesus cracked a lot of jokes and he kept, I mean, we, our, no, the 
whole thing is that God sits in the heavens and he, he laughs. laughs. Okay, he looks at us and thinks we are a joke. <laughs> all these people and all these dignitaries walking around with their dignity, he sits there and he laughs because he knows what their end is. So no, there is absolutely no issue with jokes. The only issue is with dirty jokes, filthy jokes, but jokes in general, no. And also I would tell people, no, like, no, one of the things which uh, I'm talking about believers, believers, I, I, primarily I never speak to the world and if by somebody in the world hears it and they're upset, it's not my fault. You are not meant to hear. <laughs> we need to learn to laugh at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. People are very sensitive, you know, like, you know, like somebody once made, I, I am a Malu. Okay. Malayali is a Malu. Okay. They said, uh, if you see a snake and a Malu, <laughs> kill the Malu. <laughs> And leave the snake. Okay. So, I wasn't bothered at all about it. Okay. I don't know. People get so, Malus get so offended. And I said, I'm not even bothered about it. I said, I take it as a compliment. Mm. They said, why do you take it as a compliment? I said, because the serpent was wiser than all the other things. And the Malu is wiser than the serpent. <laughs> so, I look at it as a compliment. Because the devil came as a serpent. I mean, if you have a debate between a Malu and the devil, maybe the devil will lose. Mm. So I look at it as a compliment. <laughs> okay. okay. Abraham so, was not Mallu. <laughs> no, sorry, Adam was not Mallu. <laughs> Adam was not Mallu. <laughs> okay, so people, I mean, people shouldn't be so sensitive. No, we are not, uh, we are supposed to be dead in the flesh. <laughs> so people make jokes about, you know, all this racial thing that is going on is absolutely crazy. Mm. Okay, no, we have no race. There's only one race, which is called the human race. Okay, there's no other race and you make a, a now you are so, like what we say in US and the Western, you are so politically Political correct. correct. <laughs> it's such a boring nations you have become. No jokes left. Absolutely. No? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you already have responses to the, <laughs> to your answers first. <laughs> oh, you are getting? Yeah, that's okay. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, to the much more uh, serious questions. Master, some practical ones first and then we will go to the theological ones. Question number one is possibly the one which is most serious, I believe. So let's read that, Pastor. So question number one, it says, how do I discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life? How do I know whether it's him or just my emotions? I've been an emotionally driven person for most of my life. I'm going through a dry and a monotonous season, spiritually speaking, where I find myself surrounded with depression, discouragement and despair even angry at times and to the point that blasphemous thoughts about God emerges in my mind. I love the Lord and I want to glorify Him with my everything, even my thoughts. What is wrong with me? What do I do? These thoughts harass me and I fear that it will turn my heart bitter towards the Lord like Naomi. Not to mention there have been good seasons too when I've been overwhelmed with joy and the grace of God. Okay, they are different uh, but kind of connected questions. First, uh from what you've written, you have yourself written, you are an emotionally driven person for most of my life. God has given us, can we have this fan off? I mean, I just yes, don't need yeah, it. Yes, yeah? thank you. Because it's making a sound, yeah. Thank you. Uh, mm. Like, you must have heard it over and over again if you listen to our messages. We make one statement about emotions. Emotions are very good servants, but they are terrible masters. Emotions were never supposed to lead us. They were only supposed to aid us. 
We are not led by emotions, God's children. They are led by the Spirit. Mm. They are led by the Spirit. But how do you know you are led by the Spirit? Or how do you? Because there are many spirits. And the Bible says, test the spirits. So how do you test the Spirit? Okay? So how do you know you are led? That's why we preach the word over and over and over and over again. It's not that we are teaching you to memorize scripture per se. It's not that. To understand through scripture the way God thinks. Mm. The way God acts, yes. the thoughts of God and the ways of God. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who searches the mind of God. So the Holy Spirit will never contradict the ways of God and the thoughts of God, which is revealed through scripture. That is what the, the, the enemy can do is that he can manipulate us if you are very emotional. Mm. Very emotional. And let me tell you, because that will come in uh, one of the questions which we got this about. One of the reasons um, God, uh, one of the reasons God uh, uh, discourages women to be in leadership, in leadership, is because when God made woman, He made her different from man. He made her more sensitive, more emotional more emotional and when a woman is at the on the head of an organization or let's even say a house she will make decisions which are emotional which may not be ultimately good Mm. in the long run because emotions are meant to be your servants and not your so I, I I think if my memory is right this question is from a dear sister and one of the things which I want to tell you is that you are you are under oppression this is classic case of oppression. And you need to do a little deliverance on yourself. You are a child of God. You just put your hand on your head and just command the spirits of depression, oppression to leave. That's a casting out. Second thing, you have to do something else. The Bible says in Isaiah 61.3, put on the garments of praise. You have to do it. It's not enough to praise mm. a few things. You have to put it on like a garment, <coughs> meaning you cover yourself with the praise of God. To praise God, you don't need emotions. You don't need emotions. You just need faith. Because the fact of the matter is God is worthy of praise. Amen. Okay. My emotions don't change that fact. He's worthy of all praise. So we don't have to praise by emotions. We praise by faith. Even, I mean, uh, let's, let's turn to a man who is not praising Habakkuk, the last verses. He's not, he's not praising by, uh, what do you call it? He's not praising by circumstances. Uh, uh, his emotions, because emotions are always manipulated by your circumstances. Yes. Look at what he says here. Okay, verse seventeen, Habakkuk three, verse seventeen, and nine to nineteen. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no. This is exactly the situation millions and millions and millions of people around the world are going through because of this lockdown. Everything is gone. Some of the people are like literally scraping at the bottom of the barrel. Because the lockdown may, as we are hearing, may go on down for months together. If things don't improve. Most of the jobs, US, they talk about all the small business which were shut down may never come back. They're shut forever because they have lost. There's no way to come back. 
here also 240, 250 million, million. people lost. Okay. That's almost most of the population of US yeah. or no, have lost their jobs here. Most of them are not going to come back. They want to struggle. But look at a believer who's facing a situation like this. He says, he's, you're out of your depths. Everything is out. Everything looks bleak. And this is how you don't, you're looking at a really depressive situation. But faith has to circumvent, has to overcome it. And that's what verse 18 says. Yet, I will, he does not say yet I will rejoice. He doesn't say that. I don't have the strength to rejoice. But yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's what he says. And he says when I rejoice, this is what God will do. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. And this is a response by faith. This is not a response by feelings. That's why I say, if, is, is it not I say 61.3? Yes, yes, yeah? yes 61.3. Where yeah. it says, no, I want that one for this dear sister. Because this dear sister's case, hundreds may be going through the same thing. So many listening may be going through phases of this. So we need to look at it and you have to do this. The oil of joy to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, meaning everything is gone, burned up, but he will give you restore beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than his companions, and he was a man of sorrows. Okay, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So this, what this dear sister is writing, is a spirit. It's a real spiritual attack. Depression is spiritual. Psychiatrists will only give you medication. They cannot go into the spirit and you will be just walking around like a zombie because it does not go. It will only chemically change you. They'll say it's a chemical imbalance. They will try to try to balance that chemical, but it doesn't really work on the long run. The long run, it is this. This is a real, real, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You have to put a garment of praise. You have to praise more than you ever did. That's what Habakkuk is doing. And there is another verse, if I'm right, in the book of Nehemiah. When he's rebuilding the wall. Yeah, the Lord is a strength. Is that is chapter 8 and verse 10. Okay. They have come. They've gone through real, real. This is the, this is the people of one set uh, who comes back from captivity. They are trying to build the wall and all kind of problem they are going. The city is gone. The kingdom is gone. The temple is gone. And they're trying to rebuild. They're facing enemies everywhere. And this is what he says to them. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet sin portion to those who have, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow. Now scripture is telling here, telling her, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why in the new covenant, they understand it and scripture says, rejoice in the Lord and always I say rejoice. Why? Why do I have to rejoice? Because it says, when you by faith put on praise as a garment, when you by faith start just rejoicing, singing, no, in the midst of your turmoil, what happens? God's strength permeates into your spirit. And what Habakkuk says really happens to you spiritually. You start up climbing up the mountains to the high places with God. It's a spiritual experience, you realize. That's what's happening in the prison in Philippi. Two of them are singing. They are praising this. And all the ones who are depressed are sitting there and listening in the middle of the night. How can two people sing in a situation like this? And scripture says, all the doors fell open. The power of God came in. Everybody's chains came up. What broke the chains? It was praise. Praise, It was praise. And it's got nothing to do with emotions. Mm. It's got nothing to do with feelings. It is surely got to do with faith. Mm. And where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. Who wrote it? All these brethren. Isaiah wrote it. Isaiah was 
was cut into two ultimately the prophet was sawed into two now jeremiah was in the this these were all prophets no nehemiah has left his cupbearers incredibly cushy job to come here to build the walls of a broken city but all habakkuk no all these people put it into practice and there was something happening in the spirit that's what god is talking about you cannot sit there and whine mm. and expect things to change because the power of god shall we go to romans 5 and verse 2 also the power of god is called grace through through whom also we access by faith into this grace into this grace if you want you, you can only stand in the midst of your turmoil your darkness your calamity whatever you are going through personally family nation the only way you can stand is the grace of god comes into your situation and god tells paul my grace is sufficient for you but the only way grace will come that the very power of the holy spirit comes is through faith and faith comes from hearing and when it comes to these situations the bible says sing sing rejoice and be exceedingly glad the bible says when when all these things happen he says when all these calamities happen just before christ jesus come what the scripture says lift up your heads that is praise mm. don't put your head in depression don't put your head in discouragement lift up your head it's a visible sign in the heavenly so you put your head up and you say lord i put my trust in you i believe and because i believe i'm going to praise you amen i'm going to praise you. that's what jehoshaphat did when jehoshaphat started praising god started fighting his battles and next thing you see the enemy is gone they're dead and it took them 3 days to collect the loot yes pastor so okay. that's that's it what okay. you have to do sister okay you have to cast out the demons yourself um, it's easy every child of god who is born of the spirit has power to cast out demons cast it out and start singing and start singing and start singing and know your word so that you will allow the holy spirit to lead you through the word and not through the emotions and once you are convicted when you are very sure this is what god wants you to do like jesus christ he knew this is what his father wants to do everybody opposes it everybody who cares for him everybody who loves him all his disciples opposed him but he knows this is what his father wants to do the spirit has revealed scripture says he set his face like a flint towards jerusalem to the cross now he gets his entire emotions to back his decision to go to the cross so emotions are good slaves in in, in, in light of what you've been teaching in the morning mm. you're talking about the will right yeah it so, is your will so, yeah. so faith and will are intricately Intr- connected, connected and therefore the emotions have to follow the propel the, the prop- will and will. And, yeah. and not essentially yeah. faith is you you hear you understand this is what god wants to do because you have to hear yes otherwise you don't know you hear and then you have to use your will towards faith yes not towards sight there are mm. two choices every day you will have to make faith or sight you will have to use your will to, to go towards faith and then put your emotions towards that and then mm. you are a whole man yes specific so the, in the first part of the question she was talking about the discerning of the holy spirit yeah so uh, so what ex- but one of the ways is like you said you cannot uh, if you are a overly emotional person first thing you need to ask god is that lot of people need healing in their emotions mm. yes that's they the need way. healing because mm. you know when you are overly meaning some people who are overly emotional are people who are hurt very easily very hurt very sensitive It's very very sensitive they hurt very easily so you have to ask god lot you know 
that's why we say if you ever get into step into ministry, you need to ask God for a hide of a rhinoceros. Mm. Otherwise, you won't survive in this mm. because you're going to face all kind of flack. That is President Trump. Boy, he's got the hide of a rhino. He can take it from every side and give it back equally well. <laughs> that man can stand there and face 50 hostile press people. <laughs> And uh, I don't know who oppresses whom. He oppresses them or they oppress him. I do not know. Okay, But ministry is also like that. You're not going to get glowing tributes most of the time. Mm-hmm. People are going to get upset by the message and like Jeremy and all because, no, we are not uh, soothsayers, nor do we soothe people with the message. Okay, so remember, people need healing for their emotions. And ask God, Lord, heal my emotions. He's a balm of Gilead. He heals your emotions. Because otherwise you'll never be able to see a situation properly. Because your emotions cloud your vision. Cloud your vision. And you will always will be reacting. And you will be goofing up over and over and over and over again. It's because you're being led by your emotions. Mm. Emotions. No, you have to be led by the spirit. And the spirit doesn't lead you by emotion. He does not lead you by emotion. He leads you by faith and by reason. Faith is there, reason is there. But even when reason isn't mm. there, there is still faith. So, so one of the suggestions is that yeah. you never take a decision when you're hurt. <laughs> you just wait it and mm. objectively look at situations. Yes. Right? One of the things when you're emotionally on a high, don't hurt or whatever. <laughs> chill. Chill, exactly. Never take, take a decision. chill pill and stay back. Don't take a decision. Mm. Usually 99% of the decision will be wrong. But the problem is once you made a dif- decision, it's very difficult to pull it back. Mm. It's like Jephthah, if I'm right, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, he wins that war and he makes his vow. There was no need to make that. The first thing that comes out of Come the out. city to greet, I shall. Offer it emotions. To Offer it to and what does that? His only daughter came out. Okay, people make emotional. A lot of people, that's the problem with people because a lot of emotional people make emotional vows to God. And then when the emotions come down, they are now struggling with the vow. Mm. Hmm? Um, emotional people are very, I mean, sorry to use the word, but it is true. It's immature. Because children are emotional. Hmm? I know if you don't forget to bring the chocolate, cut I'll never talk to you. Two minutes later, the child is back again. Will he bring tomorrow? No. All emotions. That's what our children do. But that's what some people are older. They never come out of it. So please remember, God gave us emotions to serve us and we don't serve emotions. Pastor, because the question was about Holy Spirit, there are so many questions related to the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I just want us to look at that. Yeah. The, this is this question is from, from, from? YouTube, YouTube. This is question number 12. Okay. Uh, last last month, uh, last week that we had, it was from Assam. Mm. Uh, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit different than born again experience? Okay. And also question number nine, the first part says there is so much of contradiction of speaking in tongues. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm still not clear in spite of all the explanations given in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. My question is, is it an audible uttering that can be heard or is it silent in our spirit? Does it still exist or was it only during the apostles' time? So, both okay. these questions. Hi to Assam. Mm-hmm. I miss you. All my Assamese brethren, I miss you. But uh, let's look at scripture. Okay, let's not look at Baptist doctrine, Lutheran doctrine, Presbyterian doctrine. Let's not look at any of it. Let's just look into simple, look as, let us look into uh, scripture. Everything is okay? Yeah, yeah just, just. Okay, yeah. let's look at into scripture. And we shall uh, begin with who we imitate. Okay, 
so that we get this very, very clear. There are things that are very clear. Let's turn first to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. This is Jesus Christ. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So Bible is very, very clear over there. Jesus' birth, he is born of the Holy Spirit, literally born of the Holy Spirit through Mary. He is born. Okay? Then, chapter 3 of Luke and verse 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Okay, so we see the Holy Spirit comes upon him. This mm. is what we call, he's baptized in, in the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yes. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And chapter 4, verse 1 will tell us he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's taken in the wilderness and tested. And he overcomes because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he had told them. Do not leave Jerusalem until you receive power so that you shall be my witnesses. Now he's going into the wilderness to be the witness of the Father. And he overcomes and comes back. And scripture says he comes back in the power Power of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. That is verse 14. 4 verse 14. Okay, chapter 4 verse 14. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we definitely see in his own life the experiences were different. They were not one. And in his case, the gap was different because the nature of his ministry. Now we go to John chapter 3 and verse 5. 3-5. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born of the spirit and of water. Atonement is not over. Mm. Therefore, they cannot be born of the spirit. Jesus has not gone up to heaven. Therefore, spirit cannot be released. So, his atonement has to be over. You come to chapter 20, when Jesus is risen, gone to heaven, because he tells Mary. Okay, let's go to verse 17 first. John 20, verse 17. This is Resurrection Sunday morning. I refuse to use the word Easter because it's got to do its connotation with a pagan goddess. Okay, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brother and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Jesus tells something to Mary Magdalene on Resurrection Sunday morning. That is going to heaven. Don't cling to me. Uh, KJV will say, Touch me not. Mm. He says, I have to go to, I'm ascending to my father. So he goes to heaven. Resurrection Sunday morning. And the book of Hebrews will tell us what happens in heaven when he goes there. He goes to the Holy of Holies and offers his own blood and the complete work. Because he had three levels of work to do. He had a work on earth, he had a work in the underworld, and he had a work in heaven. It is over. Then he comes back in the evening. And this is what scripture says in verse 19 onwards. Okay? On the same day, evening, being the first day of the week, he comes. And they are gathered there. His disciples are gathered. And look at verse 22, what he does. When he had said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay, so you see, now he's breathing upon them, tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. What happens? 
They're born of the spirit. Mm. They're born of the spirit because the born again experience starts with the church in the upper room. Yes. And I'm going to Acts chapter one. Forty mm-hmm. days later, when he's rising, this is what he says. Verse five. Verse four and five. Yeah. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mm. So even here, there's a very clear distinction. In their case, a gap of 40 days. A 40 days between born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. 40 days, not actually 40 days, 50 days. That is what the Feast of Pentecost is. 50 days. And the church, 120 people, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. So absolutely, what was that question? No, absolutely, the Bible is very, very clear. The born again experience and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two distinct Distinct. experiences. Only thing they can be together. Like in the new covenant, after that, you don't see people actually have to wait so long. They can, it can happen. You can be born again and be filled with the Holy Spirit like it happened in Samaria. When Peter was preaching, mm. they were listening to the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they, all of them were filled. They were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. So it can happen at the same time. It can also happen at two distinct experiences. You're born again, like I was born again and I was filled with the Holy Spirit much later mm. because I did not know the second thing. Yes. So, okay. So you will realize, you know, if you come to the book of Acts, book of Acts, I think it is uh, 19. Yeah. Mm. Acts 19. Verse 1 onwards. It happened when Apollos was scoring, Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus yes. and finding some disciples. Very clear. These are disciples. Mm-hmm. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, we have not so much as heard where there is a Holy Spirit. You see, a teaching can keep you away from an experience. Mm. You cannot have an experience Usually, unless you have a teaching, right? And Paul said, so he said, uh, in in what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the God, they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. And scripture says after that, then they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First. Okay, they were baptized. And when Paul laid hands upon them, Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they... Prophesied. Okay, mm. so it's two different experiences are mentioned all over there. Okay, then so please, uh, my dear child, I'm not mentioning your name here. I know who it is. Okay, you're not a child. You're married. You were mm-hmm. a kid when mm. I first met you. I think in school. Yeah, pastor, okay. uh, question number nine. The question number nine. nine the first now part. the first part. Okay, uh, speaking in tongues. Okay, technically speaking. If you go through the book of Acts, one, one of my questions usually, you know, I don't fight with people. I don't try to discourage, dissuade people. What I want to tell you is that in the book of Acts, whenever people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they knew it. Mm. How did they knew it? How did they know it? They're definitely not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, he's such a patient man. No, it's not mm. that. There was always a physical evidence, if you look at over there. Here we saw in Acts 19, that they spoke with tongues and 
prophesied. Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues. Almost everywhere you will see one of the common things is that they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. And one of the reasons, my personal interpretation, interpretation is this. One of the reasons as tongues being one of the evidentiary signs of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is because God has said life and death is in the power Power of the the tongue. tongue. The Bible talks about tongue as being the most powerful instrument in our body which decides the course of our life. So if the Holy Spirit has to guide me, lead me, he cannot lead me without having control over my tongue. He's not leading me by the ear. That is what fathers do, (laughs) not the Holy Spirit. No, he leads you with your confession, and with your proclamation. The problem is, we talk nonsense half the time. So how does the Holy Spirit control our life in spite of the fact we speak nonsense until we learn to speak sense? I believe it is through the speaking of tongues where we cancel out all the nonsense we speak and the Holy Spirit is able to change our vocabulary in the spiritual realm. I believe that's one of the primary uses of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Because the Bible says in Corinthians 14, if you want to turn over there, Corinthians 14, it says, he who speaks in, in tongues, tongues edifies himself. Edify. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a great personal gift. That is verse 4. <clears throat> he who speaks in it, in tongue, edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Prophecy is to the, like now I am kind of prophesying, meaning you're proclaiming the word of God, the interpretation. It's okay, it's a kind of prophesy. Who's getting edified? The church is getting edified. Yes. When I pray in tongues, I am strengthening myself. Edifies, edifies, F that is verb, the noun edifice is a building. Okay, so he strengthens himself. He who prays in tongues, he who prophesies strengthens the church. Then it, when it comes to tongues, okay, now again, I could be wrong, but I do believe I could be right too. Because I'm not making doctrinal statements over which people beat their heads around and fight. Okay, because if you look at the Bible, first I will go to Acts chapter 2 so that we answer the sister's doubt and other people also who have doubts, chapter 2, verse 4. Got it? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all started speaking in tongues, other tongues. Verse 4 and f- 5 and 6. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Mm. Okay, so that is one. Okay, come back to Corinthians Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Okay. Two onwards, Pastor. No, where... Uh, yeah, 
Let's go from two onwards. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay? No one understands him. So there is also a tongue which no one understands. There is a tongue which you understand. I don't understand, you understand. There is a tongue which no one understands. Mm. And there is a third kind of tongue for which there is interpretation. I speak, somebody interprets. That person has the gift of interpretation. interpretation. You come to First Corinthians chapter 12 mm. and verse 29. 30-30. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, this is talking about a different tongue. This is my interpret. This is talking. There is a common tongue given to everyone who believes and receives. It's speaking mysteries with your spirit. You don't understand. Nobody understands. If anyway somebody has to understand, is somebody else or you yourself for that moment is given the gift of interpretation so that you know what you are saying. Okay. There is another one. Let us say Pastor Vijay is sent by Lord to Beijing. And he reaches over there. He finds the underground church. He walks in over there and realizes nobody knows a word in English, Telugu or Hindi. And they all speak only Mandarin. And he's been sent there to give them a word. And he opens his mouth and fluent Mandarin comes out. Hmm. Fluent. Okay. I believe that's how Thomas came and spoke to Kerala in Malayalam, whatever language he spoke in. God gave them all those gifts so that they could the, the word goes forth. That's what is happening. 120 people are speaking in different tongues and people are hearing in their own languages. Now he's speaking in Mandarin. He doesn't know what he's speaking. They're all falling on the floor, crying, repenting and weeping. Because they understand what he's speaking is exactly connected with their life. Mm. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Okay. Or he speaks... And somebody else interprets, gets the gift of interpretation. One of the biggest moves I had to make in my life many years ago, many, many years ago, when I had to go to another place, a place I had never been, never known, nothing to begin. A ministry there is that when I was walking at midnight in the kitchen, unable to make a decision, because a decision would change my entire life. I was backing forth, back and forth, up and down, up and down, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. Suddenly I stopped and the interpretation came. And the interpretation was that you need to go. And I made my decision. It was easy to go. And changed my life. Mm. Which is a very difficult decision to make. Are you really sure you want me to go to this place, this place, this place, this place, this place, this place? And how could God speak to me? Mm. No, how could? No. So I got the tongues and I got the interpretation. And I made my mind, okay, I'm going and changed my life again. It was a completely systemic shift in my life going to a place at not one, I had no clue about changed my life. No. So that's what we are talking about. So there are tongues and there are different kinds of tongues and there is this tongue where you and I want to tell also about this, the importance about it because people don't, don't discard it, believe it. Ask God, and one day it will come to you. <clears throat> okay? Verse 14. Yeah, word, uh, 13 and 14. This First Corinthians 14, 13 and 14. Okay? First Corinthians 14. Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Mm-hmm. That means he doesn't understand it. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he says, if you want to speak in tongues, 
Then pray also, Lord, if I were to speak in tongues in church, give me an interpretation. Okay? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Paul is talking about himself. He says, I pray in tongues, but I don't understand what I'm saying. I just gave over my vocal cords and my tongue to the Spirit of God to use it for the Father's glory. That's what Romans 8, 26, 27 is talking about. The Spirit groans with utterances. Too deep for words. Too deep for words. It's, it, he's praying in tongues. And he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. And verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. So you people sing in tongues and it's beautiful. They sing in tongues. They were praised in tongues. And I believe Paul and Silas were singing in tongues. For me, this is it. It all started with Jesus. If you have, if anybody asked me who first prayed in tongues, I'll say Jesus. Because he's the one we follow. He's the one who started the new creation, the new covenant. Okay, he prayed in tongues. He sang in tongues. He praised in tongues. He did it. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he had all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? So now people say these things don't, these things have passed away. You are, you are fooling yourself. We need this more today than any other age. Any other age, we need it. So this is where you have to look at it. And uh, the sister says, you know, it is an audible uttering. But primarily, Paul says, don't use tongues in a collective setting Mm. unless everybody is baptized in the Holy Spirit and everybody, it's a prayer meeting where everybody, the pastor or the leader is asking, let's all pray in the Spirit. Other than that, in a regular service setting, don't pray in tongues if there is no interpretation, because you are not able to edify anybody yes, else. Yes, yes. When when we gather, like you know, let's like we are gathered here, and people are all watching on their um, gadgets. If I were to start speaking in tongues, it doesn't help anybody. Anybody, yes. But it helps me. Mm. But then I have used a gift to be selfish, to exalt self, while this setting is to edify others mm. and not myself. Mm. Then I have used a gift, a real genuine gift from God on selfish ends. That's what Paul is talking about. And he says over there, no, and that's an interesting part. And Corinthians 14 is an eye-opener mm-hmm. to people. No, These are the questions I asked also before these things I got. Okay. Verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> You ask me, can you give us a secret behind the success of your ministry? You would say, this is it. Amen. I prayed in the spirit all the time. Look at verse 90. Yet, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Mm. He puts the, he's incredible man used by God. He puts the balance so Mm. properly. He says, I pray in tongues more than anybody. But I will tell you, in a church setting, I would rather speak five words with understanding than 10,000 words in a tongue. Because the whole purpose of the setting is to edify Edify others. others. Edifies others. So, 1 Corinthians 14 is how a church should operate, how gifts should operate. Everything is there in 14. And how should there be order and not cacophony and confusion and all. Because the problem is... 
It is a gift. This is the problem. It is a gift. It's not a fruit. Meaning anybody can gift it. There could be a brother who's been in the church for 30 years and then it could be a child who got baptized, um, got saved, a young person who got saved today gets a bapt- the gift of tongues. Now he is mature, he is immature. Mm. So what does happen is, God says, you know what, it is not a sign of anything. Mm. So Corinthian church is a very immature church. He mm. says, your gifts is making you so much confusion in the church. Mm-hmm. And the house of God is a house of order and not confusion. Amen. So we have to see, that's where the leadership puts restraints and says how you can use it, what setting you can use it, because these are all gifts the church needs and God is willing to give. Pastor, so, yes. so one one question, because in the context of uh, this, so when you're speaking in tongues, he says, pray that you may also interpret it. Mm. Uh, it's not for personal edification though, it's only to the, for the edification of the church. Or do you, okay, are there also instances mm. where we where we are praying in tongues, and God gives us interpretation and that could be for our edification. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Oh, it can that's, be. Yeah, yeah, it can mm-hmm. be due for your own endeavor, this thing where you need. No, that's what I, because I was alone. Somebody had to speak to me. There was nobody but me. So uh, I heard the Lord speak to me through my own tongue. So mm-hmm. that'll be awesome if all the time he's speaking. speaking no, no. Tongues. Then also <laughs> then manipulation can take Heck place. Yes, that yeah. is why for safety. Yes. It's for our own safety. God will give tongues to him and interpretation yes. to him. So Hallelujah. in the mouth of two witnesses, it is established. Hallelujah. Otherwise, what will happen? We'll all be islands in the sea. <laughs> floating all around. I, I seek in tongues. I interpret. I live my life alone. I don't need anybody. God mm. said that's not how the body of Christ is. Amen. So give one person to be used a tongue in the public, somebody else will have the interpretation. So that way it works well. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, the latter part of question 9, 10 and 11 are from the same ministries. You can see the name. Oh, it's all from the same ministry? Yeah, the latter part of uh, question 9, the second part. Okay. And uh, 9 and 10. So we'll take, we'll start with question 10 and, okay. and maybe you can just complete, uh, the, because the same thought of question 9 is also in question number uh, okay. The nine part point two, <coughs> point two. So it says, when Ezekiel talks about eating the scroll, is he talking about the word? Uh, go to Israel and speak to the people. He says, go in the in the spirit. It tasted good like honey in the spirit. I mean, is she is she asking, is it an experience yeah, in the spirit? Yeah. Uh, this is all in a vision. How come we don't believe people in our times when we see visions? How come we as a church always question authenticity? Why are we so afraid of what God speaks to us? Has it got to do with false prophets and the prosperity gospel preachers? Okay, when Ezekiel is, I mean, the entire book of Ezekiel is a series of spiritual experiences because God is taking him in the spirit. The entire book of Revelation is also a spiritual experience. Mm. God takes him in the spirit. The body is there. The spirit has been taken out. Because God is a spirit, we have the spirit, the spirit is taken out. John probably is sitting in the island of Patamas with his hands up, but the spirit is gone. Probably, we do not know, okay? It's a spiritual experience and the spirit has gone and Ezekiel and all, uh, that's what is happening, okay, with Ezekiel. So whatever he's talking about, eating the scroll and all, it's not a literal thing. Mm, mm. It's a spiritual experience. It's a spiritual experience, okay? Now, when it comes to visions, okay, now it comes to visions. There are a lot of things. Let's let's go into the word of God itself and begin from where God begins, okay? It's there in the Old Testament. Let's leave the Old Testament pattern aside and let's look at the New Testament in chapter 2 of the book of Acts and verse 16, 17. 
and 18. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Okay, so it is talking about when the spirit falls, all kind of things will happen. And you will see in the book of Acts, all these things are happening. So the question here is that, why don't we people believe people in our times? Okay. Now I'll tell you what is the issue here. The issue here is that you have this prophecy and you have the church starting. And when the church is starting, one of the real reasons is that one of the church is starting for years together. They don't have the word. Hmm. They don't have the word. They have only apostles and preachers who are going around, itinerant preachers like Paul, going around, strengthening them with the word, interpreting the Old Testament in New Covenant terms, because the word is, it's Paul's letters, which ultimately will become the word. So we need a lot of other stuff, other ways for God to speak until the written word is. See, I'm not a cessationist. Don't mistake me. Mm -hmm. Not a cessationist. Okay? But until the word comes in, word comes in, They need a lot of these things, visions and dreams and prophecies and all these things they need. And we still need it. We still need it. So you will see Cornelius will see the vision, the dream. Paul will, Peter will see. This is a Gentile sees something. The believer in the sea. There is a difference between a dream and a vision. A dream is when you sleep. A vision is when you are awake. So Peter was not seeing a dream. He saw a vision, the the sheet coming down. And both these things uh, agree and therefore, he, God had to use that so powerfully three times to see that this Jewish believer would go to the Gentiles' house. Because they have very deep convictions. Mm. So you have all this. But then what is happening is, as the church is growing, I'm not talking in terms of numbers, in time, moving in time, the word of God is being settled. And then by the time you have come to the book of Revelation, even our future. Our future is also settled. Mm. People now have a clear revelation of what is happening, what God has said, what God intends us to do in our lives. <laughs> the beginning and the end is kind of very, very, very clear. And Then what happens is you come to Revelation chapter 22, the final chapter of Revelation. Verse 18 and 19. There are only 21 verses and these are the last two verses. Final, almost final. For I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. Okay, If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Chetavani. Mm-hmm. Statutory warning. Mm-hmm. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So there is a very powerful warning at life. So whenever you see visions, whenever you see dreams, when you hear prophecies, you have to see very clearly it is neither adding to what is given nor subtracting from what it is given. You have to be very, very clear. 
very, very clear. Absolutely. Because see, we hear so many. Is Sammy sleeping there? No? Okay. <laughs> okay. Because a lot of visions and dreams are connected to end times. Mm-hmm. All of visions and dreams are about end times. The question is, now that you know your entire word, we have from Genesis to Revelation, you understand primarily the ways of God, the function of the church, the function of the body, the believer in the church. If you have understand, you have a vision and a dream. My question to you is, does it fit in with what already has been revealed? Amen, amen. Already is. So I have no issues with visions and dreams. I have no issues. But this is my warning to people. Because I've seen people go kaput, absolutely mess up their lives. The book of Ezekiel. There is a warning given by God there. Because there were so many visions and dreams and prophecies and all that. Because if something is, uh, if something is not uh, false, uh, true, false will not there. The devil will only duplicate uh, what you call it, uh, only duplicate. That which is true, which is authentic. Yeah, no, when if somebody comes to the. Uh, Ezekiel. They come with a word, no? Yeah. Ezekiel 14. 14. Okay. Ezekiel 14. Okay. Remember, everything that is true in the Bible, the devil will duplicate. If there are no visions from God, there are no visions from the devil. If there are no dreams from God, there are no dreams from the devil. If there are no prophecies, prophecies from God, there are no prophecies from the devil. Because what is of no value in the kingdom of God, the devil will not waste duplicating. Nobody duplicates 10 rupee notes. It's got no value because it's not worth your time mm. wasting so much time duplicating 10 rupee notes. Okay, so that's the way. Now listen to this. Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me and the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is coming to the prophet, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. What mm. have they come with? they got idols in their heart. Nobody sees, only God sees. Even the prophet doesn't see. <laughs> see, even Samuel went wrong with the first seven sons of Jesse. Got absolutely wrong because there are certain things which even the prophet cannot see unless God shows it. He says, son of man, these men have set idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, everyone of the house of Israel who sets up idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. He says, even you will not have a clue when you open your mouth and prophesy. I'm actually judging them looking at the idols in their heart. And a lot of times that's what is happening. Prophets will come and say, this is what the Lord says. I see you getting a green card and going to US. Five years later, he's reached over there. His marriage is gone. His life is gone. His home is gone. Everything is gone. Did he hear? Yes, he heard. You know what? It was a judgment because you had an idol in your heart. Mm. Lot of people I've seen have messed up their lives. And you go back and you look, trace where did they make the decision. It was based on a vision or a dream or a prophecy. Mm. If you have an idol in your heart, you will get a dream according to your idol. Mm. You got an idol in your heart, you will get a vision. That is why we always talk about Romans 12, 1. Offer yourself, surrender. Mm. Surrender. Once you have surrendered, then you don't have to fear about how God speaks to you. Because there are no idols in your heart. No idols in your heart. The problem is when we have, when because God will judge idolatry. And this is talking to the children of Israel. 
And he says, I will answer him according. So whether it is vision, dream, or uh, prophecy, please remember there is a principle set over here. Don't have idols in your heart. Yes. Carnal. No carnal. Because you will get a prophecy according to and you will go rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he may call out your name and he may be absolutely. Even Balaam, the false prophet in the Old Testament, every word he spoke from his mouth was absolutely on the dot right. Hmm. Not one word was wrong. Okay. So never underestimate what God can do. He opens his mouth, every word that he spoke was true. And you remember Jehoshaphat and King Ahab and all that, God said, who will? And said, I will go, I'll be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all. Suddenly 400 prophets with one voice, one fellow went into dramatics also. He must have gone to drama school. He took a big bull's disting and said, come king, this is the way you will prosper. You will win the battle. And it is prophecy. Hmm. And God allowed that prophecy to happen to destroy him. And one true prophet comes. Jehoshaphat is not convinced. He said, is there any other? He says, yeah, one fellow is there. He never speaks good about me. He says, we call Micaiah, right? Yes, Micaiah. Yeah, he said, bring him. And he said, this is what else you will win, he said. He said, no, tell me the truth. Mm. He said, no, you will die. Die. Because it's idolatry. Yeah. Actually, I think Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1 will talk about that. Actually, one This one. is the issue. With no. idolatry and prophecy, how they yeah. go together. Idolatry and, and prophecy. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. It says in verse 3, you shall not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord of Lord your God is testing you to know whether you, the, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart or with all of your soul. That is, there is no idol, idol, absolutely Just think no about idol it. in Most the of the prophecies and stuff <laughs> that is happening today. These are unsurrendered people. They love the world. Mm. They enjoy the world. They come to church whenever there is a prophet in town. And the prophet says, this is what I hear. I see you money just pouring into your life. Is that going to take them closer to God or away from God? Mm-hmm. It's going to make them love God more or less. As such, that is your weakness. <coughs> As this is your weakness. And you got a prophecy. People don't even realize it's a judgment. It's a judgment. More people have come through through trials and testing and persecution and very few people have come through the test of prosperity. Hmm. Test of prosperity. Oh Lord. And all prophecies are about prosperity. Nobody prophesies uh, persecution. <laughs> Everybody prophesies prosperity. I'm not saying that is in there, but I'm saying this is where you have to guard yourself because yes, the reason is the prosperity gospel preachers have made merchandise of men. The Bible says with covetousness in their eyes, the heart is all about money and they make merchandise of people. They will tell people exactly what they want to hear. What they want here. And the old prophets never did that. They never did that. Okay. So, Pastor, we'll look at the... You want to tackle it a little more, Pastor? Or is it okay? Which one? Yeah, that's that, that's okay. fine. Okay. I think. Yeah. It's question number 10. Again, it has two questions. Uh, we have two questions. Proverbs 31. Wise women build their home. Wise women build their home. But yet it says, submit to your husband. How can you build your home, work and submit? Kind of confusing. We are all independent women, no husbands. How do we handle that? Yes, some of us have to play mom and dad. 
Okay. See, see, when the Bible is talking about, see, the Bible is talking about, and one of the principles we follow in in our preaching, in our teaching, is that, you know, when God speaks, he always speaks what is ideal. Mm. Ideal. Okay. Like when you are teaching, when you are teaching, let us say, Pastor Vijay is teaching math. Okay. He's teaching math in a classroom. Now, he's not going to say 6 into 6 is 10. Because it's easier for the smaller kids to understand. <laughs> because, see, 10 is easy for them to have a 1 and a 0. 6 into 6 is 10. You see, it's very easy to understand. Everybody understood. Everybody says we understood. 6 into 6 10. Is it right? No. Everybody knows. Somebody who listens says, what's wrong with him? 6 into 6 is 36. But he'll say, no, that's too difficult for them. So when God speaks through the Bible, he tells you exactly what is true, what is right, what is ideal, and what is perfect. And then within that, he gives us room to fail. Wow. Okay. So we as preachers cannot come down from that. Okay. But we talk truth and grace. So scripture says Jesus came with grace and truth. He did not come with grace alone. He came with grace and truth, and everywhere he will, he will, you will always see he he upholds both grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. He upholds both. So here you have a question, and this is connected with. Now we have to realize a lot of things are connected with that. You see, we see the world is as we, we because we are so tuned into the world and the world systems, education systems, and uh, without even thinking, we think progressive. You know the term progressive? Yeah. Huh. That's a term that's used in Catch the Western. Catchword now. <laughs> Catchword. Progressives. Progressives means, so the question will ask, nobody will want to, because you want to be with the in crowd, like if you're going to Iflu, Central Universities and all, I am an out crowd, I'm not an in crowd, because I'm not progressive. I mean, if you have to progressive, you have to be pro-gay, pro-choice, pro-transgender, pro, all the, then you are progressive. And a lot of people just to fit in with the crowd, even though they don't understand the theories and the implications of what these beliefs are, they just are progressive. That's what happening all to the young people on the streets in US. They don't even know the ramifications of what they believe in. They don't even understand what it is, what is the agenda. Because God has set an ideal. And we have to look at this ideal. What is God's ideal? God's ideal is not the state. God's ideal is the home. Amen. It's not the state. God's ideal is not democracy. God's ideal is not any of these things. One of these days, the kingdom of God will come. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the earth. And every man will have his wine and his fig tree. Meaning, he will restore homes. Mm. Even that is his last sentence in the book of Malachi. Before the terrible day of the Lord, I will restore the homes. I want to rest. What does God say? You know what my ideal is? My ideal is the home. Unless you see from this ideal, you will always fight. Okay, so I am, I am what I call an outcast. I'm not part of the in crowd. Not even in Christendom. Not even in Christendom. I believe 99% of the pastors will not agree with me. I will tell you why. Because we all are progressives and I'm not progressive in the worldly way. I will tell you this is exactly how God ordained for me in the ideal, okay? And Jesus comes, a new body comes where there is no male and female and all. That's a different thing. But we are talking about now. 
this is how it is god's ideal is home he's a homemaker he's a home builder and he wants man primarily to go out and woman to build boho these both are painful laborious work which is more laborious the homemaker is more laborious okay more laborious so women has been made differently the ideal woman now everything is changed because of gender confusion everything that is going and everything is warped nobody knows who is male who is female nobody has any clue but i am talking about the ideal situation so the mother's love is different from the father's love the mother has more patience and long suffering and everything so she can sit with her kids and handle five kids six kids and not lose her temper and all and men don't have it okay men don't have it unless they are trained by fire to go through that situation most men simply don't have it because god didn't give it to them but they have something else a different kind of tough love like the prodigal son's father okay you can take your inheritance and leave i'm not going to put a one step coming towards you until you come back the mother must have wept and thrown a tantrum inside that that's it no no so different facets of god's picture so you have the man and you have the woman because the home is primarily what is important that does not mean the woman did not go out whenever she went out she did certain things like you no know, lot of works which are associated women because mankind was primarily agriculture and cattle these were the two professions everything else where life was very very simple that's what the pandemic has done life has become very very simple mm. okay so then you look at it the man is the one who goes out into the you have to realize how uh, culture actually looked at man was the one who went out he is out in the outside sphere he is with the men working there is no yeah. workplace rules to protect the other person because the other person is not there in the workplace mm-hmm. it's not there in the place so things are fine things are working there will be issues between men and men and how it is handled is different and all because men go into the world and men made many of the decisions out in the world only men voted women did not vote and it was not wrong it was not wrong it was right is right i still believe that's what i said i am totally old fashioned i still believe that neither youth nor women should be allowed to vote because they will not vote according to the politics of a nation which will decide the future of the nation they will vote according to the kitchen and kitchen is not what det- determines the destiny of a nation tomorrow the harvest can be big the price of rice will come down but right now because somebody offers you 3 rupees rice the women will go and vote for it and change the destiny of a nation and i personally believe all that was there in the past is god's ideal women did not take exigencies you had devora judging and all but that is exigencies but it was never god's order never god's order because when make men make decisions we make decisions completely different he's thinking about the home but he's also looking at the larger picture mm. of many homes that causes the society if i put this man in power where will this nation go in 10 years time The woman is not thinking about that because she is emotion driven i'm not saying emotions are wrong but emotions where they are in the forefront are wrong so now what has happened literally what jeremiah and all said when women rule children become oppressors that's exactly what's happening on the streets when did this all this happen in the last 40 50 years rise of feminism and the youth on the streets and the fathers have disappeared men have been men you know why they hate trump 
Because he's a man. That's they hate him. He's got nothing else to do. He's a man. He's an actual man. That's they hate him. Obama was not. He was Trudeau can wear a skirt. Justin Trudeau. These are all females in men's bodies. Hmm. They're not masculine. None of them are masculine. They hate Trump because he's male. I mean, he should tone down a little and be more polite and all. But other than that, he's an absolute man. He's a man. And men like him. And all the other leaders we had, they emasculated. Emasculated. And the world likes this fellow called Macron in France. Mm. All females. Mm. You ask any one of these other male leaders, you ask them, they will say, we are feminists. You ask Trump, he will say, no, I'm not a feminist, but I support women. These are two different answers. Mm. You ask me, am I a feminist? No. Do I support women? Yes, yes, I do. I'm not a feminist. I'm not a feminist. Don't think that man in the White House is dumb. They try to make him dumb. He's smarter than all of them put together. Because you have to hear some of his statements and I know where he's coming from. Because we struggled with these ideologies in the higher centers of learning. And I came through untouched. I said, I will not. Because you know what? I went with this into the university and came out with this. I didn't allow any of those theories to change the way I think. And I look into it, you know, God is a father. Now they want to worship God as a Sophia. Hmm? Sophia. That's the problem. The problem is when you have emasculated a generation of men, then put these men into places of high positions, they will buckle under pressure. The kingdom is forgotten. Now they are after causes. Hmm. They are after causes. And you know what? When the majority of the world becomes like that, we know it's over. Time for the Antichrist to come. Antichrist to come. And there is something about the Antichrist that is written there in the book of Daniel. Very strange words about the Antichrist. Cement. <clears throat> When the Antichrist comes. Chapter 10. Yeah. Chapter 11. 11. Verse 36 onward. 36, 37. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against God of gods, shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. Look at verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. Hmm. Okay. There is a thinking that he may be gay. I don't know. There are so many interpretations of verse 37. What I'm saying is everything that we are seeing today is a sign of the times. Sign of the times. So I look into these things and I read it. But are we living in ideal times? No. We are not living in ideal times because there are like 73% of the African American population in the US are run by single mothers. 73% of the homes. Among the, can you imagine the, the, the trauma and the confusion of these children, poor mm. things? And how much we need to pray for these mothers? The mother is trying to do two jobs of that of a father and a mother. 
And that's her mother. And you know why this happened? Because one of those democratic presidents, if I'm right, was it Johnson? Passed one of those laws by which if you're a single mother with children, you get more money from the government. Yeah. So it was more beneficial to be a single mother than to be married. And it was deliberately done to destroy the African populations. And they still believe that the Democrats love them. So these are agendas, agendas of the enemy to destroy certain sections of the people, of the peoples. And people will say, wow, you know what? If I have two children out of wedlock, I get more money from the government. And what are these kids going to do when they grow up? So the father in their lives. So independent women, no husbands, how do we handle that? Ask God for grace. Lord, I am a single mother. I got sons and daughters. Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, help me to mentor my children. Help me to find a godly church where there are elders, male, genuine male, not effeminate people, but genuine male elders who will, my sons can model. Sons can model. Look up to. Look up to. Mm -hmm. Because men need, boys need mentors. Mm -hmm. You know, boys who are brought up by single mothers, unless they are tough single mothers, usually turn out effeminate. So this is the agenda. So when you look at all these things, how does a wise woman build her home? By building her home. Submission is not a strength, uh, it's a sign of weakness. Only the strong can submit. If submission is a sign of weakness, the most submissive person who ever walked on earth was Jesus Christ because he submitted unto death and death on the cross. And he was the most strong person who walked. Mm. What are you submitting to is Mm. the question. Mm. You're submitting to something which you believe is true. Because what is true, whatever God has said is true. Whatever God has said is true. So you submit to that. Like I said, everything is, like today I had a Skype meeting with my young people from another country. So every Saturday. So I gave them Proverbs 23, 7, right? As a man thinketh. Yes, so you see. So everything is an idea. The kingdom of God is a set of powerful ideas. And that idea is called truth. And truth sets you free. What sets a woman free? Something which God has said. Submit to your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Do you believe God said it? Yes. So you're not submitting to man. You're submitting to God. And that sets you free. That sets you free. Where it goes wrong because you marry the wrong person, you did not know the Lord. Okay, then okay. There is room for so many things over there. You have to work through it all. But we are talking about ideal here. This is the ideal. This is the ideal. And you have an ideal situation out of a mess. Mm. At the end of the story, a mess becomes the ideal. What is the mess? Abraham's home. What is the ideal? How he ends. Abraham the father, Sarah the mother, and Isaac on the altar. All three absolutely surrender to the will of God. And God says, that's my family on earth. And Philip, First Peter chapter 3, God says, Women, look to your mother, Sarah. Look to your mother, Sarah. Men, look to your father, Abraham. And young people, look to that young man, Isaac. That's my family. How did he begin his family? Absolute chaos. How did he end up? Absolutely ideal. So Mm -hmm. there is, out of chaos, you can build an ideal. That's the story of Abraham. An ideal family. Because God is a family man. 
Are we, yeah, we are running out of time. Okay, we will read one last verse. It's one of my favorite verses when it comes to family. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. I love it. 3.14 For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, not countries, mm-hmm. not nations, not towns, not cities, not villages. God doesn't see like that. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So you have to value what God values. What is what does God value? God values the home. Because only when you value what God values, you will make sacrifices which are according to God. Otherwise, you will make sacrifices according to the world. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the world, what is valuable? Money. So what do women do? They sacrifice the family for a career. What does God value? A family. So what do they do? Godly women do? They sacrifice a career for a family. You have to change your thinking. You have to value what God values. Otherwise, these things will not happen. So, am I feminist? Absolutely not. Mm. Do I value women? Yes, I do. Yes. More than the feminists. More than the feminists. <laughs> More than the feminists. More than the feminists. <laughs> I would protect women from the world. Don't even go there. It's a man's world. It's a dirty world. You don't want to go there. We men fight different battles. You don't want to get in over there. Okay, we can fight and forget it in five minutes. But the problem is, we fight with you the same way you will remember it for twenty years, and file some harassment suits also against us. <laughs> but we didn't realize you were there. So all that's what the scripture says: when the antichrist reign starts coming, he will change all the laws. Are the laws not being changed? How many laws? One stupid ruling from Roe, uh, not that uh, Obama's uh, time by the Supreme Court. Legalizing homosexuality. What a Pandora's box it has opened. And who flipped? Justice Roberts. I told you then, watch out for him. He flips. He's not consistent. Isn't he the one who flipped over two weeks back about the church gatherings? Mm -hmm. He flipped. I always told him. Obamacare and this. He flipped in one week both ways. I said he's not stable. He's not stable. Though he may be the youngest, he's not stable. I told you then. Watch out, because these guys can make a law that changes nations and nations' destinies. Changes. And everybody appreciated President Obama, right? Because he lit the White House in rainbow colors. How everybody loved him. Abomination. Abomination. When you celebrate what God calls an abomination, not the homosexuals, the homosexuality. When you celebrate an abomination, that's why God said enough. Out of the blue, he pulled out the Trump out of the... They said, you clean up that White House, please. They made it into an abomination. And they hate him. They hate him. They hate him. They hate him. We need to realize that's why... Say, Are you pro-Trump? Of course I am. Why? Because of his policies. I don't know him. I like his policies. When I look at his policies, they agree with the word of God. And I like it. Because I will agree with the word of God. It doesn't matter if it's Obama or Trump. If it is the word of God, I will agree with it. And I didn't see one single policy from Obama which agreed with the word of God. Everything seems to be anti-God. That is my issue. That's my issue with 
policies, even with this government, the issues is your policies, some policies I like, some policies I don't like at all, because you're anti-God and anti-people. If you're anti-God, ultimately you're anti-people, because yeah. if you go against God, you will ultimately go against the people. Imagine so the only mean. one who cares people is God. Amen. No man cares really for people. That's how I look at pictures, how I look at the whole picture, and you will always realize, you know, ideal picture is the home, where the man takes care of the outside thing, that is the workspear, the, and the woman it takes care of the home and the children, and they share the responsibilities. And comes out, the children grow up with a very, very balanced picture, and that's why in the old days, families were all very, very stable compared mm. to today. And then came World War One and World War Two, and the men all start dying. And they wanted the women in the military establishments to, in the factories to supply. That's how the women went from the home into the workplace. Once they went to the workplace and enjoyed the freedom in courts that they thought the man enjoyed, they didn't want to go back. That's the beginning of what we see today. There's an entire attack on the patriarchy. Oh. That's why they're against patriarchy. Mm. But the problem is when you attack patriarchy, you attack God. Because mm. God is a patriarch. Patriarchy, man. It's a patriarch. I'm not saying patriarch is right. All of patriarchy is right. No, it's no. not. Look at Laban. What he did is his eldest daughter. That's patriarchy. At the worst. Mm. Patriarchy at the worst. Used his daughter, fooled his daughter, told her, go sleep with that guy. That guy doesn't love her. What is it? No, do what I tell you. That's worst patriarchy at the worst. Okay, so patriarchy, we are not supporting patriarchy as in patriarchy which is godly. Mm. Patriarchy which is godly. Okay, not patriarchy which is ungodly. But God is a patriarch, he's not a matriarch. Sorry, he's not. And I will stick to the word, live and die by the word. And the rest of the pastors don't agree with me. I'm okay with it. I'm not a feminist, I'm not a humanist, I'm simply a Christian. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Yes, Lord. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just, we thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. Let us commit today, all the dear brothers and sisters who have heard, Lord, I pray, Father. I know, Lord, many of the things I have, might have said, people may not be very happy, but it is true. And only truth can heal us. Yes, Lord. And restore us. <clears throat> you don't soothe us. You heal us. Amen. Book of Joel, you said, Lord, you cut us so that you can heal us. Scripture says on the third day, you will heal us. And I pray, Father, homes will be healed. Individuals will be healed. All the single mothers who are hearing, I pray, Lord, they have to shoulder the burden which they were not supposed to bear. And I pray you will give them a double portion of your grace, of your spirit, that they will Know how to balance it, Lord. It's a difficult task. It's a thankless task. But there is one who appreciates single mothers, oh Lord. It's you. And I pray, Lord, they will know God as their husband and their children will know God as their father. And they will grow, Lord, in your presence. Cover them with your love. Touch them with your right hand. Empower them, Lord. And I pray in the church, your lost truths will be discovered and people will go back and will find the Lord. There is shelter in that truth. It is the rock on which we build our lives, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father.
I speak peace, I speak healing, I speak protection, and I speak power into every life, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.